Welcome to the Tear Out the Tags podcast, where you learn to remove the labels that are holding you back. Your life is increasingly defined by simple words that are meant to categorize you. These words are turned into hashtags, making you feel stuck with a limited definition of what you can be in this world. Tags, though helpful online, are ineffective at fully describing how big and extraordinary you are. Let's get started. If you are a parent, particularly to teenagers, or if you have tags still attached to you from your high school or teenage days, today's show is for you. My special guest, Dr. Cameron Caswell, PhD, also known as Dr. Cam, is an adolescent psychologist, family success coach, author, and host of the Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam podcast. But my favorite tag of all that Dr. Cam wears is Teen Translator, a tag that all of us parents wish we could wear as we navigate parenting teens and also preparing our younger children for the teenage years. Dr. Cam is on a mission to help parents build strong, positive relationships with their teens through improved communication, connection, and understanding using her prime parenting method. In her fun, interactive style, Dr. Cam unpacks frustrating adolescent behavior and empowers parents to work with their teens wiring rather than against it, boosting the development of a positive, healthy sense of self rather than unwittingly eroding it. Dr. Cam is the mom of a teen as well, so she is not only talking the talk, she is walking the walk. I told you guys that Dr. Cam was going to be an amazing addition to the Tear Out the Tags message, and I'm so excited to have this conversation on the show today. Dr. Cam, welcome. I'm so excited to have you. B, I am so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, I, I'm so excited to dive in today because I have my own stuff from my teenage years, but I also have three teenage stepkids and two are girls and one is a boy. And I will be honest with you, it I'm watching it happen, right? I'm watching the things that I went through take place in these children's lives who aren't mine, but I get to sort of be this bonus in their lives. And all the labels and all the tags and all of the expectations are just being stacked on top of them. Yeah. So tell me, how did you get into this work? What, what made you passionate about teenagers and working with adolescents? One of those things where I had to go back and figure it out because it was just something that was so pressing and on my heart that I just kept being drawn to it. And I, I reflect back and I actually, when I was a teenager and I was a very self-conscious um, shy actually, which always surprises people because I'm extremely talkative, but shy teenager. And yet I still was a peer counselor. So I was still counseling teens when I was a teen. And I remember my first client, and I put that in air quotes, walked in and she was one of these girls that I would have labeled like a bully. Mm. And, you know, she was twice as big as I'm, I'm like barely five, two, you know, so I was, and I wasn't even that then. So I was like this tiny little kid and she just towered over me and had the scowl on her face all the time. We're like the leather jacket. And she was just one of those ones where I would scurry out of the way whenever I saw her in the hallway right. and she walked in and I was like, Oh my God, she's going to beat me up. Oh my God. What am I going to say? And she started telling me her story. And I realized that inside she felt exactly the same way I did. Mm -hmm. She felt misunderstood and she felt insecure. And I think that really sparked it in me then is that no matter what we look like on the outside, we're still kind of these scared little kids on the inside that are just seeking approval. 
right? And yeah. just questioning ourselves. It wasn't until I was I was getting my PhD in developmental psychology and I was teaching a class in adolescent psychology and I had all these students who are also parents and they started coming up to me and saying, Dr. Cam, oh my gosh, what we're learning in this class is completely transforming our relationship with our own kids. Mm. I get them now. And that makes all the difference. And I started thinking, why don't more parents have this information? They've got to have this information. It changes everything. And since then, I've just been on a mission to get it into the hands of as many parents as I can. I, I mean, I had a different job at the time. I was working at AOL and people found out what my side gig was, you know, what I just enjoyed doing. And I would have a line of people outside my office just waiting to ask me about their teenagers. Oh, yeah. And, you know, asking me questions. And I think then I started going, oh my gosh, I can do this. I'm good at this. I'm actually helping them. And they would come back and say, do you remember what you told me? It changed so much. And that just has really inspired me. And I've been mentoring teens and helping parents with teens. And now I'm a mom of a teen myself. So I live it every day. And I just get so pumped up and excited. And it's one of those topics I could just talk about for days. So yeah. it's it was put on my heart. Well, and I love that you not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. So you're doing with a teenager and you are actually applying these skills that you are teaching other people and you have a really great relationship with your teenager. So it's interesting. You say like, oh my gosh, I get this. Like I get them. And as parents, even of younger children, that's really all we want. We -hmm. have this craving to really understand the depths of what our kids are stepping through. But it's so funny how we get just 15, 20 years from when we were teenagers and we forget, we forget all the stuff they're walking through and it's so different, right? So you said you worked at AOL and what I thought of was the, you know, do, 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 like the login way back, way back. (laughs) Yeah. That, that our teenage years were so removed, so different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would argue we went through a lot of challenges in the development of technology, but the teenagers today are being raised on technology. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very different. And there, I would imagine are a lot of issues that come from social media. Obviously we know that and many other elements that are a lot of social pressures happening. What do you see is the biggest threat to teenage confidence now? Well, be actually, I don't think a lot has changed since we were teens or you were a teen and I was a teen um, because what the teens go through and what are with our brain development and our social development, that all has been the same for decades and decades, right? Mm. What changes is how we kind of what we have to go through and how we act out in that. So an example is with social media, now media, it is getting a very bad rap because yes, it gets you sucked in when you use it to just compare yourself to everyone. It can really harm your self-esteem. And so we get very worried about that for our kids, particularly girls. I think with their body image, it's really tough for them to separate reality from what they're seeing. And then the use of social media. But I always laugh because when I was growing up, it was TV and TV Mm -hmm. was the evil that's, you know, and music was warping our brains and doing all this damage. I actually see more of 
that as something that happens because of it. It's a symptom mm. of it. It's not the cause of it. So what we're going oh. through, we just turn to these things for the same reason. And it's multiple reasons. One is the teen brain is just programmed in, for stimulation. It's wired to seek out risk and enjoyment and just things that excite us, novelty. And so social media, wow, that's a great way to get it. So right. it feels good. It releases endorphins. It separates them from boring school. And, you know, we hear these parents going, God, I can't get them to put down their phone and, and do school. Well, no, school's boring. Right. They're craving, they're craving excitement. Excitement is on social media, right? Or games. It was the same when we were growing up with TV and music. It stimulated our brain. It took us away. It's also, if we feel like we have, we're anxious, right? And we've got all of these feelings and emotions that we don't understand and then don't express, don't know how to express. And so we turn to things like social media because it's a way for us to express ourselves. And it's also a way for us to numb ourselves. Yeah. So why we turn to social media hasn't changed. It's not social media. It's not, it's the use of it. Gosh. And that's such a perfect example of how we, we want to sort of pin something, right? Mm -hmm. So I talk about tagging things and that's very much, we want to put the blame on mm -hmm. something so that it's not on us, so that it's not on our kids, so that it's not part of our family conversation. It's just easy to demonize the, the symptom. Like you're saying, it's, that's a really profound idea. It's, but, it is. Yeah. Can you expand on the brain development in a teenager and what they don't have that we mm -hmm. develop and have later in life so that we can really understand what our teenagers are going through. Absolutely. And this is one of the core things that I teach parents and it helps them understand teen behavior because the teen brain is actually going through one of the biggest growth spurts it will ever go through. The only other time our brain grows as much is when we're infants. And that's growing in size. And that's when we're learning to walk. We're learning to talk. We're learning to just recognize the world. So we are creating and growing all this information. We're, we're ready and primed to learn. Mm -hmm. We are also ready and primed to, primed to learn when we're teen. And now our brain isn't growing in size. It's growing in density. So it's creating all these connections. And it is just wired to learn things like communication, emotion management, problem solving, a lot of the things that teens get in trouble for because they're not good at it. Mm. Well, they're not good at it yet because they haven't learned how to do it yet. It's not something you're born knowing. You've got to learn it. So I will tell parents, first of all, rather than getting angry because your teen has made bad decisions, help them learn how to make good decisions and give yeah. them practice making good decisions and give them room to fail because none of us are good when we try something and learn something new. Yeah. It takes a while. You know, you just, oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Cause there's another really big piece of that, but let me. Go, no, I want you to finish. You, you okay. keep going. So the other really big piece of it is that our brain is growing unevenly. The back of the brain is growing. And this is where the amygdala is. This is the part, this is the emotion center, the part that feels everything and it expresses everything, right? So we've got huge emotions when we're teenagers. It's fully there. The prefrontal cortex, the front of the brain, this is the part that controls our emotions. This is the part that thinks very, you know, we think through and we know what's going to happen and we, we think through our decisions. 
that will not be developed until well into their 20s. Mm. So it's like one way I've heard it described is the gas tank is full and the brakes aren't even installed yet. So right. when they get all emotional and worked up and we wonder why they can't control their emotions and they're, they don't have the brakes in place or the experience to learn how to do that. So when parents match their emotion, when we let our kids rile us up and we scream back and get angry, there is no way it's going to calm things down. It is only going to make things worse because in that dynamic, the only person that can bring it back down is the parent. Yeah. And we often expect the kids to, it's funny. I used to watch Nick at night when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So I watched, I love Lucy and bewitched and all those fun shows. And I remember an, I love Lucy episode where they were working in a chocolate factory and the chocolate, you know, their job was to like wrap the chocolates and put them in the boxes and the, the chocolates started coming faster and faster. And Lucille Ball just started popping the chocolates popping in her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? And what that reminds me of is these kids have all of this stuff that it's not only content, it's emotions, it's experience, it's relationships. They don't have the ability to fully process what's happening to them. And then we get upset with them when they have all of these big emotions. And so you literally pulled back this bow and arrow and you shot it, shot the arrow mm -hmm. right at what I want to go to today. And I have had several conversations recently with friends who have teenagers. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny because the labels, right? I'm the tag lady. I talk yeah. about tear out the tags and the labels that are being put on kids these days. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of becoming an epidemic in itself. So we've just lived through this historical year, this pandemic, we're looking into 2021, but I am seeing this other epidemic happening. No one wants to talk about. And I hear people say, why are, why do we have so much more autism? Why do we have so much more ADHD? Why do we have so much more, 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 more? But what I'm seeing is we are diagnosing at a rapid rate mm -hmm. and placing those labels you know, my daughter is borderline personality disorder. My son is ADHD. My teenager is manic depressive. All of these labels I would think are very harmful. So I'm going to preface this by saying I was a gigantic pain in the, you know, what to my mother and I had big emotions. I still do have big emotions and I'm still learning how to fully understand and become emotionally mature but I was really lucky to not have a mom who went and took me to a doctor and had me diagnosed because, yeah. you know, she put up with a lot of hard stuff, but she let me really work through it and grow out of it. Yeah. And so I really want you to speak into how dangerous is this to have all these diagnoses and be putting all of these labels on our youth? It is very dangerous. So one of the things, you know, we hear about a lot is this fixed versus growth mindset, right? Carol DeWick, brilliant work that she's done. And when we label kids, we put this in this fixed mindset where this is who they are. This is what is expected of them. And whether or not it's true, it becomes true. It also becomes an excuse, not just for the kids, but for the parents. So I have a lot of parents coming to me saying, fix my teen, you know, fix my kid. And the problem is the teen is working perfectly. <laughs> the teen is working the way a teen's supposed to work, right? 
but the parents don't know how to interact with them, with them. And they're uncomfortable because we're misinterpreting a lot of their behavior. But a lot of the behavior we, we see is this defiance or this inability to focus or lack of motivation. And it's not because something's wrong with them. It's because that's how they communicate or because some, they don't have a motivation for them. A lot of parents are more motivated about their kids' grades than they are. So then they get freaked out when their kids aren't focused and studying and getting straight A's when the parents know it's so important. And they think, oh my gosh, my child won't focus. I can't do anything to help them focus. They must have ADHD or some problem. No, you know what the problem is? It's boring. And <laughs> nothing in their life is showing them. I mean, my daughter will come to me and go, why do I have to learn this? And I go, you do? because you do, <laughs> but quite frankly, I'm not sure why this information is important. Let's figure out what your dream is right? and dream bigger. But when we label them, when we say it's because of this, we're telling our teen that they're broken. Mm -hmm. We're saying that the way you are right now isn't okay. And then the teen is going, I don't know how to be any different. This is who I am. So I'm a broken person. I'm unworthy. I'm not lovable. I need to be fixed. I need to change from mom and dad to think I'm okay, which means I need to change from mom and dad to love me. Mm -hmm. So this is the message we get going into life. And I talk to adults all the time who are struggling with the same issues I'm working with teens on. Oh, There's those are all of those tags. Everyone. Great. Yeah. They've grown up. Well, here's why. Remember our teen, our brain is growing at this age. That means the connections that are forming because they go through a growth spurt and then goes through a pruning. So we're using these connections that are saying we're broken. There's something wrong with us. We need to do something and earn love. We need to earn our parents' love. Those are the connections that are being formed. Yeah. And now we go into adulthood and those are the patterns we've established. And now we spend our whole life wondering why do I constantly have to fight for approval? Why do I always feel insecure about myself? Well, that's because that's how your brain was formed. Right. And now it's even harder because our brain's no longer primed. We can change those connections, but it's not primed to take change. So it takes a lot of work, a lot of therapy to get that thought process and the way we're thinking and our self-talk to change. So yeah. that's why I want to work with parents and their teens, because we need to figure out how to prevent those negative connections from forming and how to create positive ones. Well, and it's interesting because I think it's, it's really in having the conversation between the two. And I feel really strongly that as we move through our world and all the things that are happening we're losing connection. We're losing connection in our own families. We're losing connection in our vocation. We're losing connection, our community, our churches. We're just, we're, it's sort of crumbling. It's, it's falling apart. And the reason is we're not all making the effort to make that bridge together. So yeah. it's funny, you work with parents about adolescence and I work with adults who are still carrying those same labels who are still struggling reaching their own dreams because they still have all that unworthy and all of that failure and all of that unlovable inside of them. Yeah. And often I have this conversation that says, your parents may have invited this, your parents may have cultivated this, but they did it unknowingly, right? 
And so it's important to have the conversation also that when your teens are being difficult and they are throwing shade at you, I'm going to use teen language here. You know, they don't know what they're doing either. I am a stepmom from two separate marriages and I don't talk about this often, but I've been called the names. I've had the label slapped on me, sometimes not to my face, normally not to my face, right? And there's a lot of stepmoms in our community who get a lot of hurt feelings from having to deal with these kids that don't like them or don't want to have relationship with them or who maybe love them deeply, but they're teenagers and they lash out and they slap you with, with labels also. So how do you speak into parents who have been hurt by their kids and overcoming kind of those labels that parents have been given in order to pour back into their kids healing? This is a great question because I have yet to meet a parent that hasn't been hurt by their teen. Mm -hmm. And we take it. And this is step parents. This is by a lot. This is all parents. right? Right. And the problem is we we take what they say and their actions too personally. Mm-hmm. And there's a few things here I want to point out. The first is, as you said, teens don't necessarily know how much impact they're having. This is because they don't have the experience. This is because that prefrontal cortex that tells you that isn't quite there yet. And it's because they are purposefully focused on themselves because they need to be. This is the time in their life they're figuring out who they are and how they fit in the world. So there's a purpose of why they're focused on themselves, right? So they're saying stuff, not necessarily, they may mean it in the moment because they're, they're hurt and they're angry. But we, if we take it to heart, if we take it too personally, it starts to be soul crushing, right? The other thing to think about though, too, and I want to let parents know is that if kids are lashing out at you, and, and one of the things that we hear a lot, if your teens don't say they hate you, then you're not doing something right, right? <laughs> I don't agree with that. And okay. here's why. Because I think if teens are saying, I, I hate you, the, what they're really saying is, you're not listening to me. Mm-hmm. I don't have a voice. And so you can say no, you can say, you can set boundaries. The difference is if you say no, because I said so, if you set boundaries without explanation, if you just do this and make the kids feel like they have no control over their own lives and they're not being heard, yeah, they're going to hate you. Because you know what? An adult would hate you too. Right. And it's not that they don't love you, but they hate how you're making them feel about themselves. Mm. So when you say instead, if your child says, I hate you, that's the time to go, oh my gosh, let's talk about this. Let's understand. It's okay to say, you know what? And I've done this a lot. You can ask my daughter. You know <laughs> what? I didn't handle that very well the other day. I was not myself. I was feeling stressed out and I snapped because I did not have it in me to be calm in the moment. And I'm really sorry because that was not the way I wanted to handle it. Right. Right. You know what? She does the same to me all the time. Yeah. And I let her, I let her express her anger. I let her be mad at me because she has the right to be mad at me. Right. And afterwards she comes down, she goes, I'm so sorry. 
Yeah. Well, and that's a tag that I deal with a lot in my work is the people pleaser. So Mm -hmm. it seems like the old school parenting was really like, you're supposed to be pleasing. You're supposed to follow all the rules. What I say goes, it was that old school. This is the law, like it or get out kind of thing. My house, you follow my rules. No question. Yeah. But, but wearing the tag people pleaser in our adulthood can seriously handicap us. I mean, it can handicap us in our relationships, in our growth at work. I mean, top to bottom, it makes you give up your authority. Like there are a lot of ways that being a people pleaser does not serve you as an adult. For the parents listening who grew up with the old school parenting method, that kind Mm -hmm. of iron fist method, and now we have this new age parenting and maybe it feels a little frou-frou, like maybe parents don't know what to do with it. What's the best resource? This Well, it's you, clearly Me. it's you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How can you encourage parents to drop some of that old school iron fist and pick up some of these new ways, this growth mindset way of parenting? Well, I, I think first of all, it's to realize that this does not mean you become a permissive parent and you let your teens just do whatever the hell they want mm-hmm. because they don't make the decisions, right? So they can't do whatever they want. Right. So we need to figure out how to set boundaries and consequences, but think long-term. We get stuck in the moment. We get stuck into wanting them to be compliant, wanting them to be obedient, wanting them to just listen to us. And then we raise a people pleaser. Right. Because we have valued and prioritized and rewarded them for just doing whatever we say. Do we want our kids to grow up and be adults that just do whatever anybody else, is say, else says? Right. No. That's what we're teaching them when they're with us because it makes our life easier. And then we fight and fight and fight and fight. What happens when you instead... Focus on the long-term goal. What am I trying to teach my child? What do I figure out what your values are? Figure out what you want them to learn. What type of adult do you want them to become? And is your interaction with them right now consistent with who you want them to be? Right. So thinking about, I want to teach my teen how to be able to argue and voice herself and voice her opinions and make a good point, right? So it may mean she questions what I say, but when I listen to her and I say, let me hear your point and I help her make valid points and say, well, that point, you know, this is why that doesn't support it or wow, that's a really good point. I may not change my mind because there's very good reasons why I've decided that, but I've listened and I've let her understand. And now she goes, oh, now I understand why this is important. And I'm learning how to make better decisions based on understanding my mom's thought process. If we just say, just because I said so, you're not giving them insight. And one thing I tell parents, if you can't come up with a better reason than because I said so, then you may want to rethink your request. Yeah. Well, and these kids need to be seen so that they are encouraged to continue to develop the thoughts, right? We can't expect kids to learn and grow and chase after dreams. I hate listening to the jokes about millennials because you aren't giving a generation of people an opportunity to grow. If you're just making fun of all of these templated characteristics. 
So this weekend I was in Florida for new year's and we were sitting at a table. I had a group of friends that we met up with that live in Florida. And one of the guys, his name is Nick Adams. He has a son named Max. Max is 22 years old. He's in university in Florida and he's a sharp kid, really sharp kid. So we, all of us started getting into this conversation about COVID and politics and this like really hot topics. And Max brought some really powerful ideas and, and voice to the conversation. And we had a couple of male dominant personalities at the table who were very blunt in challenging his thoughts and he held his own. And so at the end of the conversation, I said, I am blown away with your ability to stay, stand your ground, stay mm -hmm. in your belief system, speak into, you know, all the things that you have learned. And you're also yeah. listening to whatever it is that you can grow from this, this conversation. I was truly amazed. And I think 22, he's probably a Gen Zer, but I just, I was so proud of him. I mean, I just had met him that evening and I, I was just amazed at how that conversation could have gone so differently for his self-confidence. He could have shut down. He could have cowered. He could have like flubbed his words and changed them around in order to meet the agenda of the other folks at the mm -hmm. table. And so it just is such a perfect story to emphasize what you're talking about, giving these kids the right to be seen. Well, one thing I want to add to that, which it confirms what you're saying too. I love that story because I I'm actually spend a lot of time with teens and people are like, why do you do that? You're crazy. Right. And I, even middle schoolers, I love it because when you let them talk and you let them dream and you listen to their ideas, they are so passionate and so creative and so full of hope when people are listening and they love, love to have someone listen. And you know who they want to listen to them the most? Their parents. Mm -hmm. Just listening, not lecturing, not advising, just listening and dreaming and imagining with them gets them so excited. And you will find that you can learn so much from them. Yeah. And when you, if you really want to connect with your kids and you're struggling on how to do that, ask them about something they love. Yeah. Meet them where they're at. And a big one of these is video games. Most parents put down video games. You're spending too much time on your video games. Put the damn video game down. Do that. You know, they're, they're putting it down all the time. You block them. Right. Instead, why don't you say, Hey, explain to me, teach me about the game. Right. Even get in there and play the game. Yeah. Play it or, with them. Or have your and kids teach you a TikTok dance, right? Do something. I've done them. TikTok dances. I look like a goofball, but I do them. So do let them. Them, have them teach you what they know. Teach them about social media if they're on it. Let them walk you through it. They get so excited to be able to teach you. Mm -hmm. And you will often find out that sometimes it's not as scary as what you are imagining them doing. Right. You know, it's not my, my daughter listens to Disney food blog. That's like one of her <laughs> favorite things. She can tell you anything about Disney on the planet. This is what she's doing on social media. I'm not that worried. Right. right so, right. And I, I mean, I look and I follow what she's doing, but they're, they're learning stuff. They're interacting with people. So I think when we have an open conversation with them, it changes everything. So I love that value, what they have to say. 
we kind of started this with tagging kids with diagnosis or, or, and it's not always a diagnosis. It's not, it's not always a mental health disorder. Sometimes we just say, you're a pain in my butt, right? Or yeah. I'm tired of listening to you. I, I tag my kids all the time and people are always surprised. You're the tag lady. I can't believe you say stuff to your kids. And the difference is you're, you're going to have your moments, but you do need to equip your kids with the ability to pull that crap out and leave it behind them so that they don't store the unworthy and the unlovable and all the things. And like you said, have a conversation where you say, I was frustrated. Mommy didn't, you know, or daddy didn't act in such a great way. And in our house, it's funny. Like my kids will already say, tear out the tags, mom. Like I I'm not taking that, you know? <laughs> so my daughter's like a pro at it. Yeah. But when we tag kids and you shared this before we pushed record, I think it's so important to kind of circle back to we tag kids with a label and that becomes an excuse. Mm-hmm. The excuse becomes, I can't do things. And then they stop trying. Yeah. In my mind, when you said that as a parent of both younger children and teenagers, I think to myself, we're creating the very thing that we don't want. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think this goes in general. One of the things I talk about with just teenagers is We have, as a society, this kind of exaggerated view of what teens are and their behavior. And I talk to parents that are just have a newborn and they go, oh my gosh, they're already dreading the teen years. Or their two-year-old does something, they go, oh my God, they're already behaving like a teenager. It's all negative. So when we go in with this mindset that adolescence is going to be difficult, guess what? It's difficult. Right. Because we're prepared and we're looking for it. When you're looking for the bad, you look for, you know, you find it. Right. This is why labels are so dangerous because when you label a kid, like I'll have a parent say, my kid's a liar or my yeah. kid's yeah. disrespectful. Well, now you have labeled them and you are looking for evidence to support that label. Right. And you will laser focus on it. One of the biggest ways to avoid this, Lee, is to separate who they are from what they do. So when we say you are a, we're labeling them. And right. there it's making it sound like that's what they are. There's nothing else they can do about it. Just that sucks. And so they start doing things to live into what that label is. Well, I'm a liar, so I might as well lie. Right. Even if I don't, they're already think I'm a liar. So what's the point of trying not to lie? Yeah. Instead you say, you have a habit of lying or when you speak, it often comes across to me or I feel like I'm being disrespectful, respected. We're changing it. It's not them. They're not a liar. They're a person that has a habit of lying that we want to now address. Right. So we're addressing the behavior. This can be changed. This they have control over. Being a liar, they don't have control over this. Right. Well, and Mel Robbins says there's no such thing as toxic people. There's only toxic behaviors. Mm -hmm. When we lump someone as all of the tags that we want to give them, we're really putting them in prison. Yep. And so we're putting our teens, we are creating this, this personality because remember teens are trying to figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. This is the time where I'm trying to figure out who I am separate from mom and dad, 
I'm experimenting with different friends. I'm experimenting with different music. I'm experimenting with different clothes. I'm experimenting with different labels. Mom and dad are calling me these labels. That must be who I am. Right. Because they know me better than anyone else. And they are telling me I'm this. So I must be this. Right. And you have just handcuffed them to whatever that is. And we do it out of anger. We do it because we want them to stop. But unfortunately, when we do it that way, we're just making it worse. Well, and sometimes, just- sometimes I would imagine our own stuff is coming up because really our children are so much of who we are, right? We raise them. We, they're a template of yeah. the two parties that contributed to making them. So that brings me to my next question out of the people that you work with and the clients that you have generally, how many parents are trying to put a lot of the blame on the child's behavior or the child and how many of those same people are not willing to look within themselves? That's a great question. And it, it's a hard one because I do, I am working with teens and sometimes it, it makes sense to be working with their teens because it's something specific. Mm-hmm. Most of the time when I have the teens, it's very frustrating because I'm trying to help the teens understand and figure out how to maneuver around their parents' behavior. It's really difficult to do. And my whole thought is if the parents aren't willing to change, they can't expect their teen to change. Right. Why would they? So when they say, my, I'm not going to change how I'm acting. I just want my teen to change how they react to how I'm acting. Right. That's not going to happen either. So well, when and your child's going to grow up and not want to be around you. Yeah. They're not going to want oh, to come home for Christmas, right? It, not at all. Or they will. And it'll be like, Oh, I got to be there. You know, yeah. you want your, you want your kids to be around you and you want your kids to think of you as someone like, wow, thanks mom for doing this for me, you know, right. for really being there for me. Not, Oh my God, I just want to get free from, yeah. you know, and I hear a lot of this. I just want to get free. Oh yeah. They feel like it's a prison because they are just told what to do without any voice. And And for the parents listening who do this too, I think it's important. Like we have to give ourselves grace. I there's many times, especially in a combined family system. I don't like the word blended, but that's what most people call it. There's times where there's a lot of co-parenting conflict or, you know, there's just issues that arise because we're a lot of different parties trying to fit into this puzzle. So you find yourself like wishing away the time. And mm-hmm. every parent does this. We all go through seasons where our kids' behavior is frustrating and we want to move on with life. We want that normalcy back. We are in a tough season ourselves. And so being able to have the conversation to say, we all go through this. It's okay to feel like this and we can recover from it. Just because you made a mistake does not mean that you are not gonna get that connection back with your teenager. And you have a system. So you call it the prime mm-hmm. parenting method. Would yes. you share with us what is the prime parenting method? Yeah. So every parent's different. Every teen is different. Every dynamic is different. What your values are, are different. So it's difficult to say, this is what you need to do, right? Plain and simple. I've got some general things, but in terms of how teens think, 
So I created a prime method that I walk my clients through, and it's really five steps that start with the PRIME. And the first step is the problem. And so parents will come and they'll be like, like we were saying, my teen's a liar, my teen's defiant, my teen is this and that. Well, that's a vague description. What exactly is the behavior that they're doing that makes you feel like they're defiant? Mm. Are they talking back? Are they rolling their eyes? Is it all the time? Is it around specific things? Is it to everyone? Is it around? Is it to you? Is it after school when they're tired? Let's get really laser focused on exactly what you're talking about that you want to address, right? Not this vague thing. Now that can be addressed because we know what it is. Mm. The next thing you want to look at is why is that behavior there? What's the reason behind it? And this can be a lot of things. It can be, it's the teen's developmental stage, right? It can be that your relationship needs some work and that they're feeling very misunderstood and angry at you. And they're not going to listen to a word they, you say. So you may have to do some fixing because if you want your kids to respect and listen to you, they need to feel respected and listened to as well. Right. So what is the reason behind that behavior? Or maybe a, another example is, you know, my daughter was really struggling to get on with getting her homework done and getting on in on school. And instead of just getting angry and saying, go, just get online and do it, which a lot of us just want to do, I reminded myself of what I teach my parent. <laughs> and I asked her, you know, what's going on? And we uncovered several issues that we could address. Right. So if I had just gotten mad and put her back in the same situation, I wouldn't have helped her problem solve and learn how to overcome those situations. Right. Right. So then the next thing is your intention. What do you want out of this? Do you want them to actually just stop or do you want to teach them how to be respectful? Do you want them to just go do your homework or do you want to teach them to be motivated to do their homework? Do you want to have to be the one that's constantly reminding them over and over and over again? Or do you want to teach them so that you no longer have to nag them? Mm -hmm. What's your intention? What's your long-term intention? What do you want them to be learning out of this? Because this changes how we approach it, right? It also makes us more consistent. The problem is when we react differently, we have different... We have, you know, this time we're going to take their phone away. This time we're going to send them to room. This time we're, and it's all inconsistent and all over the place. Well, it's going to be a mess. But right. if we are consistent and we know what we're trying to do, we know we can be consistently responding to it. Yeah. Then M in prime is for mindset. And this is a big one. This is changing. Like we were just talking about changing it from focusing on they are a problem to their behavior needs to be addressed. Okay. So we're changing our mindset from my teen is an issue to my teen, I need to help my teen learn this. Clearly, this is something that they still have not mastered. So how can I help them master this and learn this? Yeah. And very really, different approach. You go from giving your kids poor care instructions for themselves by wanting to tag them with something versus this problem solution lesson that we really all need in life. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly and helping them do it. It's not going in and solving it for them. It's guiding them and teaching them. So the final one is empower, which is exactly that. And I use empower because we want to give our teens the tools they need to learn how to do it themselves. We want to empower them to problem solve. We want to empower them to learn how to be intrinsically motivated. 
We want to empower them to self-advocate for themselves. We don't go in and fix it. We teach them and coach them and encourage them to do it on their own. And now we've given them skills to send them off into adulthood so that they can thrive. Yeah. You know, you and I have such similar missions here. So many people that I talk to and connect with will say, well, how long does it take? Well, you can join a 12 week workshop or you can work with Dr. Cam, but the truth is that these are issues that we will always be in development and growth. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the, the big myth in life. We kind of have this checklist of accomplishments that we feel like we have to meet high school, college. We meet someone, we get married, we have kids. We it, it's this very templated walk mm-hmm. and we don't speak into youth and even ourselves that this growth never stops. So right. even when your children are past these teen years, these skills, this prime parenting method will still be a, a tangible, usable tool for you to continue relationship with that child who becomes an adult who then gives you grandkids, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As and they you know go what? on it their own path. Spouses too. It works with friends. It works with anyone where you're going. Let me get specific on what the end problem is and how we can address it in right. a productive, effective way rather than just reaction. Yeah. Reaction. Because really what you just described is relationship. It's mm-hmm. connection. Yeah. So if we want to get more of this back in our lives with our teenagers, with our spouses, with our friends, with our coworkers, we have to make the effort to sometimes be that first person who's willing to help peel those tags off. And I yeah. love in my community, I have just an amazing group of people who totally understand how we collect these labels and we attach them to ourselves. And then occasionally I run into someone who just loves, loves what we're doing. And they're like, I don't get it. I don't have tags. Like it's cool. It's a cool idea, but I don't have it. And oftentimes I tell that person that's because you're the one labeling people. That's because you're the one leaving stuff behind. So part of this as a parent is Mm -hmm. recognizing the times where you are tagging your children or you are creating some of that conflict and some of that, what you perceive as dysfunction, that we all sort of have a piece of ownership in this. I I agree. And I think one of the things to really think about too, and you said was, was about being, having grace for yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I know I talk to parents and then I often feel like, oh my gosh, I don't mean to beat parents up. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to wake them up is what I'm trying to do. And I think it's really important to realize that we will make mistakes. No matter how old your kid is, there's still time. It's about let's move forward. And I think, you know, making sure that you're always progressing and it is, it's something that's constantly, you're constantly learning. You're constantly getting better at. I think a lot of parents though, well, they'll try something. It won't work the first time and the resort back to what they've always done, which also doesn't work, but it's known, right? right? So I think remembering that it's a growing process and it's going to get, it's constant work, but it gets easier right? because you lay the foundation. So remembering that it's going to be really tough at first. And then you are going to reap the rewards for that, no matter how old your kids are or how many mistakes you make. If you go back and say, oh, I made a mistake and I'm still learning and I'm still trying to do this, that's going to actually bridge a huge gap right there. Just saying I'm trying. Yeah. I'm sorry. I made a mistake that time. 
And often when we face things with courage like that, that's when the confidence begins to grow. So that's a really, that's a really empowering tool for parents as well. You had mentioned, I don't want to skip over this because I think it's really, really valuable. You had mentioned that the pandemic has actually improved the mental health that we're seeing in teens. Yeah. So there's a survey and I'll send you a link because I can't find it right now, but a survey that just came out, they surveyed teenagers between the months of May and July and of this year, and they do it every year. So they're comparing this to 2018 data. Mm-hmm. And they found that actually mental health has improved overall for teens and that the happiness factor is a little bit lower, but only a smidge lower. And the two things they attribute this to is that teens are feeling more connected with their parents. Mm-hmm. And we have always known for years and years and years that a closer relationship with your parents helps improve mental health. The other thing is that they're getting enough sleep. And so in 2018, majority of them were saying during school year, I wasn't getting enough sleep because school starts early. They're doing homework really late. They're running to thing, to thing, to thing. Yep. Now things have slowed down. They can follow their natural circadian rhythms, which are go to bed later than most adults and sleep in later than most adults. They're not being lazy. That's what teens are programmed to do as long as they're getting the right amount of sleep. So they're getting enough sleep now. They're not rushing around and stressed out about all the stuff on their plate. And they're actually having dinner and conversations with their family because everybody's home. And those three things have actually contributed to improved mental health. So I think those are really, really important things to, to take note of. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, you are definitely the teen translator. This has been an unbelievable conversation. And I would imagine we're going to have some people that want to get in touch with you who are walking through all of this stuff. So tell me where's the best place to get a hold of you and tell us about like an offer that you have where parents can get connected and work with you. Yeah. So askdrcam.com, super easy that goes to my website and there's a place that you can email me there. You can find me on all social media. And I also have now my own podcast too, which you're going to come on um, parenting teens with Dr. Cam. And that I've been, I share my insights. I interview people on that. Um, So that is across all of the podcasting platforms. So it's parenting teens with Dr. Cam. Fabulous. And it is a great show. She's She's moving the needle essentially for parents who are struggling. So give it a listen and leave her a review because those reviews really help boost the algorithm. And this is such a needed message in our world. We are all, I'm sorry, like I have teenagers around me and I am saying we need this message. (laughs) So I am just elated that you agreed to come on the show and share all of this wisdom and all of this just direction for those of us parents who just really want more tools in our tool belt. So thank you, Dr. Kim, for joining us. Thank you, B. This has been really fun.